The Six Pointer Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Six Pointer Podcast. Happy New Year to all the Six Pointer Podcast uh, listeners. Uh, we're really pleased to uh, welcome you today to the first pod of 2021, as strange as that sounds to uh, to say. Uh, and we're really, really pleased to be discussing a Crystal Palace victory 2-0 at home to Sheffield United. As always, the terrible trio as they are are with you this evening. Myself, Matthew, my brother Luke, looking very festive there still. Uh, Matthew, yes. We're taking all the decorations down now, but um, yeah, still got the dressing gown on, so it's all right. How are you doing, still, mate? Still got the dressing gown. I'm good. No dressing gown. Kevin Smith, border not dressing gown. Kevin, is that a dressing gown or is that sort of uh, no, retro mate. style? It's an England rugby hoodie. Look at that. Look at that. Mean. Mean and mean and keen. That's me, Matt. Mean and keen. And just where, machine, live, Kev. just where I live as well, they've started a load of fireworks, which is unbelievable. Well, yeah. they're probably celebrating Palace is 2-0 victory today, Kev. That's what it is. Most probably, mate. Most probably. That's what it is. There, there weren't many fireworks to sell us part this afternoon, but uh, we'll, we'll take, a, take a three points uh, winning what we said last week on the pod was potentially a banana skin for Palace. Sheffield United haven't won all season. Uh, who are they going to get their first victory from? Of course, it would have been Palace, but it wasn't to be today. It was a result for Palace. So, we're going to talk about that. Um, Palace made a couple of changes uh, into the into lineup today. Uh, Joe Wall came in for Nathaniel Klein, which I believe was an injury, uh, and Jimmy Mack came to the side, uh, if I remember rightly, for for Gyro. So two understandable changes there. Uh, it didn't take long for Palace to get going today, did it, Kev? Uh, three minutes, I think it was, on the clock when we when we we, we won an up. Yeah, yeah, good, good to see, Matt. I mean, as as you say. Um... Could, as you said, could have been a banana skin. I think to score so early, I think it was three minutes and about 16 seconds. Obviously, a little bit of luck of goal. Great reverse pass from Andros. Obviously, Wilf made a bit, good bit of work from Wilf. Wonderful little pass in from Benteke. Got a little deflection from the guy trying to cut it out. And then in fairness, Schlappi did what he does well. Um, but again, that also got a deflection, which I think took it past the goalkeeper. But... One nil up inside four minutes. I think it would have settled any of our jangly nerves at that point. And uh, and we never really looked back from there, did we? And that's uh, that's quite nice to have had it. And we've, if we could have finished the game after four minutes at one nil, I'd have been quite happy. Yeah, our, our, our ratio or our results when we do go uh, in front of the first half is, I believe, very, very strong. I think we, we, we normally go on to, to, to win the game. So it was pleasing to... I've actually got the stats, Matt, if you go want on, to Kev. know them. Go on, Kev. In the 29 games where we've taken the lead, we've won 22 and drawn seven. That's not go. bad, is it? Eh? That's not bad. So it was a good omen and settled any nerves that we might have had of that, that potential banana skin. I mean, you mentioned the ball to Wilf. It was sort of a cross-field pass from a variety. It was a fantastic ball um, up and he kind of worked the magic from, from, from there on, didn't he, Luke? Just to reinforce Kev's point now about Benteke's flick off the outside of his right boot, which yeah, obviously did get a, a, a deflection, but still a great thought process to, to play him through. And and Schlupp's got the determination and the strength to hold off. I think it was two men at the end of it who were diving in yes. for it and get a good finish. Like, like we've said, you know, when Palace score early on, you know, it's, it, it, that tends to di- dictate the, the tempo of the the game. And what also I think dictated the tempo of the game was having James McArthur back in, arrested James McArthur, and he was brilliant. And I felt that. Roy said in his post-match interview around you know why he didn't start Eze is because he said it might be a he thought it might be a a nitty gritty technical game uh, and you know you like to have someone like Eze up your up your sleeve to bring on but having James McCarthy I think he bossed it he, he was absolutely fantastic Kev I know you agree with that yeah I thought I thought it, I, 
Luke's bang on, Matt. Um, I thought um, Jimmy Mack's work rate throughout the game was was fantastic, first minute to last minute. And and I thought it was a sensible change. Um, I must admit, I didn't see uh, Roy's post-match. Um, so I could understand Jimmy Mack coming in today. And I think he really benefited from having that rest from the Leicester uh, game uh, because he really did look revitalised. And, you know, it, as you say, what a beautiful luxury to be able to bring Eze on. Um, I know, obviously, we'll come on to it. And it was unfortunate that Jeff got injured, but uh, we'll come on and talk about that later. But what a lovely opportunity for him to then come on and do what we think he does best, which is run at people. What was your take on it, Matt, that first goal? I, I was, I was, it was, as like I said, it was a lovely ball out to, to Wilf and you did the business from then on, right? And it was a, a nice move and, and a good finish from Sloppy in the, in the danger area. I, I just felt that from there, there on, if I'm honest, it was a little bit of a dull first half. There were a couple of incidents, yeah. but actually it was nice to have that because like we said, it could have been quite the reverse. And I think um, to hear, I, I, I didn't hear those um, comments from Roy either, but to hear that makes complete sense because you know, Sheffield United, we're gonna, they're, they're coming to win. They're coming to win the game. It's not they're coming to get a point away from home like like many away teams will do, Palace included, obviously. But it, 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 it was, yeah, they need to win a game. They've got this, what is it? Is it 19 games or whatever it is? I can't think what it is, but they've it's, got two points. Yeah, it's 17 games now, Matt. So I think they take the new record for the lowest points. But but do you know what? I think something that's really refreshing, uh, and again, we always, I know we always try and be balanced. Chris Wilder in his... Uh, game interview before the game not making any excuses I think there's eight or nine players down if that had been a bigger club they'd be saying oh we've got all these injuries we've got this problem with Covid he just gets on with it Wilder and I did feel a bit for Sheffield not obviously because I look at them and with the greatest I think it's going to be almost impossible for them to stay up and if they did stay up I think it'd be a bigger achievement than Leicester Mm. winning the league quite frankly at the moment they looked low on confidence and that early goal for us I think gave us what we needed they never really looked in my honest opinion as though they were going to break us down and I and I think that was as much about our back four playing very well and just nullifying anything they tried to do I don't really remember Vincey having to do too much to be really honest but uh, I think I think in the first half Kev like you said I think he made one save I remember rightly one one save uh, where he sort of came out. I think it was with his feet, and there was a punch as well where he ended up smacking yes. the Sheffield United player as well that he came and got. But apart from that, I mean, yeah, Sheffield United they were quite for, for the blades. They were very, pretty blunt. Sorry, that was terrible. But if, if you think about it, they, they they don't really get hammered. Their goal difference isn't that ridiculous, really. Can I hold on, Matt? Can I just God, check? God, you can't help us. Did that come out of one of your Christmas crackers, and you've only just opened it that one? Well, or, I got uh, I got that I, one you've been storing up. I got a Christmas, uh, I got a Christmas dad joke book, Kev. Uh, so yeah, it was probably in there. It was probably in there, right? <laughs> they, they don't, they don't, they don't win many. Well, they don't win any games, right, this season. But they, they don't get battered at the same time. Their goal, their games are often by one goal here and there, and, and sometimes late goals as well. There was a, a recent game, wasn't there, against mm. one of the big teams where they Everton. they conceded. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that, 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 I wasn't expecting a, a walkover from then on. You know, often when you go one up, you think, oh, "Okay, is this we're going to we're going to kick on here?" Um, and, and we didn't. It took a took a while for that. Well, took for the rest of the half really, didn't it, for the second goal to come? Um, but it could have gone quite the reverse. So, quite a resolute sort of first half performance from Palace. Um, a couple of chances, but but not many. And as you say, Sheffield United didn't really really create much. They were quite toothless up front. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to give a shout out. I thought Mitchell had another fantastic game. I know you've called out Jimmy McEnany. Mm-hmm. I also think Tyrant Mitchell, for me, he was my man of the match. Um, I thought the, the, the telly were very lazy in giving Eze the man of the match. We'll come to the goal in a minute, and it was fantastic that it was, but the goal, the man of the match for that was a bit 
you know. But yeah. um, I thought Mitchell was fantastic, you know, and, and he, he offers what PVA doesn't, which is he can go forward, but he can also he can also defend. Um, there, there, there were there were no occasions when we were caught out on the back of him going on the offense, um, which was really pleasing to see. He works really well. I, I, he again did a post match interview with Chris Grierson after the game, and I think he was mentioning how much he was enjoying playing alongside Czech Kuaite, who said, you know, he talks him through the game. We celebrate the first clean sheet since the first game of the season, shall we? Because that's that, that's a big one, and and you know, it's no, well, I say no surprise to me. It's, it's nice to see that James Tompkins and, and Tyrek Mitchell are in the team in that back four when, when the, first, the second clean sheet of the season is is, is gained for us. So um, well done, that defence. You mentioned Kaite, actually. Um, I think he had another fantastic game. Uh, there are a couple of occasions where, you know, James Tonkin still isn't clearly quite 100% on because a couple of pacey sort of runs that the Sheffield United attack had and Coyote was straight there covering him on the yeah. other side of the pitch. So it was. And I'd also noted what you said, Luke, as well, where I thought, you know, Mitchell and, and the Coyote played well together in the, in the link up, but also in terms of just covering one another as well. You could see them drifting in and out of centre back, left back um, sort of positions as well. But yeah, check Coyote. I mean, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't swap him now into midfield, would you, Kev? Do you know what, Matt? I wouldn't. I think, again, if you look at how it, I'm going to say easily he's made the transition, I didn't realise. I think the commentator said that before he went to West Ham, I think he was at Anderlecht and he played in that position in the Champions League. I'll be honest with you, I didn't realise that before. I didn't know where he'd come before he was at West Ham. And let's be honest, he was. I think a lot of good West Ham fans didn't want him going, um, a bit like they didn't want James Tompkins going when he went. But he just, yeah, he just seems to have made that transition seamlessly and I think he's a he's 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 a he's fantastic um in that position and yeah in answer to your question Matt yes he could do a job in midfield but why would you go and do it when he's doing so well where he is now it causes a real problem doesn't it now because you've got Gary Cahill who's who's out and and he'd be coming back in the next couple of weeks um Scott Dan who has had a a recent run in the team where we haven't had a great result so you kind of think that Tomkins has got to solidify his position and Martin Kelly, who's apparently being courted by Celtic in, in the January window now. So, yeah, all of a sudden Roy's got a headache because it's Czech Kurite and one, out, one other next to him. And at the moment, you, you wouldn't replace James Tonkins. I think he's looking sharp, as you say, Matthew. There were a couple of times where I think he looked off the pace, uh, maybe a couple of yards behind. But yeah, Czech obviously read the situation and got, got, um, got his side. I yeah, think the thing I, would, I would just I wouldn't change that back for mate. Sorry, mate. I was just going to say, I think the thing with James Tompkins is really I didn't I didn't quite appreciate that he'd been out for 10 months. That's a hell of a gap to not be playing. And as you say, that first game back the other day, all right, he got caught out for the penalty, but not a lot else. And as you say, I think his know-how and what he can bring to the team and what he does bring is, is so useful. I mean, I think you made reference... Um, earlier on in the week, Luke, that I think Sam Allardyce has been sniffing around about getting him to possibly go to West Brom. With the greatest respect, if you're James Tompkins, I mean, obviously I appreciate money and all that's important, but ultimately, if you're going to West Brom and with the greatest respect to the baggage, you're, you're really going to be in a relegation dogfight for the next eight, you know, uh, what is it, the next, uh, sorry, the next sort of four or five months. Would you want that um, if you're James Tompkins? Surely you'd want to fight for your place because he knows he's always going to have a good opportunity, I would say, under Roy, because Roy trusts him, doesn't he? No, I think it's more about regular football, wouldn't it, mate? That, that would be the main thing there. Obviously, the money, but I, I think it would be the fact that he would be sold by Allardyce as being his, his, his number one centre-back. 
From a centre that perspective, though, and they were, they were talking about today on the telly, about the ageing team, the ageing squad that Palace have. I mean, I guess of those centre backs, they all are relatively in that older bracket, aren't they? All of them. Uh, Tomkins mm. is probably the youngest one of them. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see then. I guess also the out of contract or the end of contract situation as well. There's a number of players, aren't there, coming mm. to the end of contracts this summer as well. So, yeah. it'll be interesting to see who's who's where and whether that means that some will move out. I mean, the, the man who's not getting a sniff at the minute is Sacco. And you can't see him come back into the team anyway, shape or form at the minute, can you? I think no. he might have had his day. Yeah. There are rumours so. around him, him making an exit in January, I think, because his contract's up. So, I think it might be a case of Panis thinking, well, last chance for him to get any money money for him um, and, and he's on obviously a fair whack himself so um, who knows yeah. Palace might need to subsidise any move um, away from the club as well Yeah I, I think the thing though goes back to what Luke said great to acknowledge second clean sheet but again and, and no disrespect to Sheffield United as soon as we took the lead, I didn't feel as though they threatened us. And actually, as though we're Palace fans and you're never nearly sure until it's the 90th minute that we're going to keep a clean sheet at the moment. I was relatively comfortable once the second goal went in, which I think we'll come on to in a moment. Um, you know, our, our back four did us proud today. And uh, I, I still think there's quite a nice blend, as you say, with Tyrick Mitchell coming in. There's Eze there. There's some younger players. Yes, Parrish has got to be very sensible with what they do around contracts and blending in, bringing in new players as well. But, you know, you bring in two or three new younger players coming through, and I don't know enough about our youth setup to know how strong it is, but if one or two of them get blooded as well, then it's a nice transition instead of them all going at the same time. But uh, we said, I think, after the Villa game, and I think there was a team meeting, just the players after the Villa game, from what was said today by Eze on the post-match stuff. Um, I would have liked to have been a fly on that wall as to what was said there. But if you had said to us, you've got Leicester and Sheffield and you're going to come out at four points, I would have been very happy with that. And I think that's what we said last week. If we could come out with four points, that puts us upbeat going into the Arsenal game. I know there's another game before that, but the Arsenal game then becomes a big game, I think, for Arsenal to get something out of that as well. Yeah, so Kev, you mentioned the second goal. Uh, and, and I think just before that, um, I was thinking back to the Sheffield United chances. And it was the 42nd minute, if I remember rightly, where Vicente uh, had to come out and make that save at, at the, with, with the sort of from his feet. But that that was it. So it was um, a relatively lacklustre performance from, from Sheffield United in terms of any sort of attacking uh, danger in, in that first half. And, and yeah, a couple of minutes later, well, with five minutes added on, which was quite interesting. I know Schlupp injury was obviously was down for a while, wasn't he? But uh, yeah, the fifth minute of added on time, so pretty much near the near the sort of uh, whistle whistle blowing. As they picks the ball up, when I when I first saw it, I thought he picked the ball up just in his own, it's just in his own, so just inside his own half. It was actually like pretty much halfway between the, the yeah. centre circle and his and his um and his own box really. And he yeah. goes on a, an amazing run that will certainly go down as one of the sort of the, the great goals that sell us, won't it, Kev? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, obviously, I think a lot of people mostly take for no, uh, granted the way he just almost sold that first guy and just changed direction and went to see ya, and then he was off and running. But the way he actually did that was mostly so simple to him, but he just left the player, you know, he just turned and was gone. And then once he's sort of opened up and gone past, I mean, I think, Luke, I think you texted me and said, poor tackle from the guy, or uh, Ampidou, I think, poor Ampidou, attempt. Yeah. I, I think it was just, you know, he didn't know whether to commit himself or not. He's glided past him. But then to have the presence of mind to shape his body and, and use the defender to almost curl it around. You know, he almost caressed the ball in, didn't it? It was a pass. Yeah. It was no more than a, a, a nice push pass with the inside of his foot. 
round the goalkeeper. Wonderful goal. But I think if I may, just before we that, can we just give a quick shout out to the physio who took five and a half minutes to get Schlappy off in order that, that Eze could get his top on, get his gloves <laughs> off, take his balaclava off and everything else he needed to get ready. I've never known a player take so long to get on the pitch, but well worth the wait, Matt. What was your view? Well, he had a cup of tea as well, didn't he, Kevin? <laughs> I think we just saying he's got a sandwich and they it as well. Yeah, and had a ball for it as well. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, what they were doing there. But actually, just before that, it was a kind of a warning to Sheffield United because they were on the attack and Mitchell sort of uh, intercepted it and broke it down. Down and there was that fantastic sort of uh, run by Will where they sort of launched the ball up to him. And I think Sheffield United player had to foul him and get, and get booked actually for yellow card. We had that free kick and then the ball went back up and then we went on the attack again. So they had a kind of they had a warning second or well, minutes before that happened actually. Um, yeah. But it's, it's going to be one that sort of goes down in, in Sellers Park history because you know you don't see many Palace players pick the ball up in their own half, do what three players I think like he did, yeah. and then kind of caress the ball into the sort of the bottom right hand corner uh, as we looked at it in front of the the Whitehorse Whitehorse Lane stand, which would have gone absolutely crazy if the uh, if the fans had been there. But it's it's going to it's going to be one that remains long long in history, which is is lovely to see um, in these difficult times for us. And, and it, it's another sort of stamp in his book in terms of. Of, um, you know, he's got a lot. He's, he's getting a lot of praise at the minute when Win Palace on the telly, isn't he? He's getting a lot of, you know, oh, he's, he's this, he's that, um, and it's good he, he manages to turn on the magic at the right time, right? And it was a physical game. I mentioned Roy's comments earlier, but obviously he played what sixty-five minutes probably of that game, maybe did he? Something like that. And it was a physical game. You know, we'll come on to Wilf a bit later on, but you know, Wilf got smashed from the first minute, and I'm sure they would have left a few on Eze here and there. So. He proved that he could hold his own, but yeah, I mean that goal, the run was sublime. Yeah, Kev, I, I think it was a half, a half um, hearted attempt by Ampadu to sort of. T- it was, it, to be fair, he also came on square onto him. So once you, like you say, he shifts his weight, weight one side, he hasn't really much much chance to gone past oh, him. Yeah. He uses the, the centre back almost to look look through um, the other side of his leg and say, "Well, there's the, there's the stitch in the net that I want to hit." And like you say, just passes it past the uh, the keeper's um, keeper's grasp and. Yeah, shame fans weren't there for that one, but uh, we still enjoyed that one nonetheless. I I, I think for me, I mean, you're right, Matt, he's gone through past two or three players, but if you look, he's carried the ball mostly 60, 70 yards Mm. without Sheffield putting a tackling on him. And with the greatest respect, and not that I would have wanted, but someone needed to clatter him and bring him down because he had so much time once he'd gone past Empidou to almost, almost pick where he was going to put it and then put it right there. And if you're Chris Wilder, not only are you looking at your watch thinking, how have they scored in the 51st minute? Thank you to our physio. Um, But, you know, it's a classic sucker punch because, as we said, the game was almost, we've scored in the first three minutes and the last minute. And we've not done loads in between other than nullify them. I think the other thing we must give a call out for is how good was Eze aware of where the camera was when he scored and then he's pointed at himself like that as if to say, you know who I am. How good was that? Absolutely well, that, brilliant. That was to his brother. He said in the post-match interview that his, his little brother told him that he has to do that um, that celebration. He said he spotted the camera early on in the game, um, so he knew that if he did score, that's, that's what he was going to do. So that's a nice little uh, note to his brother there. I, I must just give a quick shout-out to my sister-in-law. I'm not going to say her name, but she sent me a text after that went in saying, Lionel Ezzy. I thought, like it, like it, Lionel Eze. So I then went back with Eze 25, but you know what I mean? He's as good as Lionel almost. If Lionel wants to wear red and blue, come and play for us, mate, if you can get in the team, yeah? Well, he said he wants to play in, uh, does he want to play in LA or somewhere? So, you know, Thorn- Thornton Heath, 
you know, South Norwood High Street, you know, you know, it's it's all the same, right? LA's Little Hampton, isn't it? Little Hampton. That'll do. <laughs> That'll do. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, also the, the goal was was scored at an important time as well. You know, despite it being a really lovely goal, um, it was always also an important time because any chance that Sheffield United had of coming out the second half and kind of you know turning the game on its head was kind of killed off at that point, right? Um, I think in our in our sort of during game chat, we said you know it was hanging in the balance and yeah, good to score an early goal, but um, and careful kind of what you wish for and that kind of stuff. So. It was nice to get a goal then because second half was a bit of a procession, really, right? Uh, Sheffield United continued to be a little bit toothless and um, Palace really didn't didn't need to create much, right? It felt like a game that we'd seen at Sellers many times that, you know, Palace go ahead and then that second half, you're sort of almost wishing the time away and, and you're sort of sitting in the homes down in the last 10 minutes, you know, it really gets going as well, the atmosphere, and it almost feels like the fans carrying across the across the line but obviously the fans weren't there to do it but yeah like you say no threat from Sheffield United even in the second half their team talk gets blown out the, out the water in the six minute of injury so, so there's really no coming back from that I mean your, your confidence has got to be shot to bits been from having two points all season anyway and then and then you can see the goal in the six six minute or five minutes of it added on injury time you've got to think well how's your luck that's, that's it I just want to go back up to Sheffield I guess yeah I must admit I'm, I'm of the same view Matt I didn't really feel off as I said, I don't want to sound patronising. I felt for them a bit because they didn't seem to, no matter how much how hard they worked, they just didn't seem to penetrate or or make make any inroads. I think the things you know they brought in the sixteen year old lad, and I thought that was brave of Wilder to do that and good. In fairness, great to give him the young that young man his opportunity. And he nearly scored. Let's be honest, one of their few uh, few attacks in the second half. But the thing I would you know I thought the second half was pretty forgetful for the reasons we've already talked about and that's not being disrespectful to anyone we just nullified them I think the point I would make which I think and we'll come on to it I know we'll talk about Wilf um, I think there, I thought there was a degree of petulance from Wilf on Bogle uh, with the challenge and fair play to Bogle if he had reacted if he had gone down when Wilf put his hand in his face Wilf would have been in trouble and that could have been an interesting time. So fair play to, I, I think, um, I think it's Bogle was his name. Forgive mm. me. The gentleman yeah. who came for sign from Derby. He, he made no reaction to that. If that had been some of other big time Charlie players, they would have gone down and Wilf would have walked for that. I'm telling you, because VAR would have then looked at it. And, and I think that's fair play, but, but that's something Wilf's got to get out of his game. I think, in my opinion, you know, 27, 28, he doesn't need to do that. We're two nil up. Just, just accept it. He actually won the ball off you in a fair tackle. I think what it's difficult though, Kev, isn't it? Because I, obviously he, he did get kicked quite a lot, i say from the first minute. He, he was putting his arse a number of times. And I think I, I joked to you boys as well, that I think he needs some longer studs because whenever he did try to break away, he did tend to slip a couple of times as well. But So he must be frustrated, but you know you, you, know you can't react that way. As soon as you, you raise your hand above sort of shoulder height, you're, you're in sort of orange to red cards uh, territory, aren't you? So it's it's uh, walking a, t- a tight rope. It orange. doesn't really happen, does it? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think like, in, in between yellow and red. <laughs> Hold on. There's a new orange card that's come into the game. Love it. Oh, I, I, I want one of them orange cards, Luke. Get me one of them Luke. orange cards. Well, I think I think Luke is on one, mate, anyway. So he'll miss next week. <laughs> what about you, Matt? What was your take? Well, it's, in, it's another one that I am perplexed by the VAR dynamic again. Yeah. So, you know, that 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 is violent conduct what he did yeah. and I don't understand 
the television cameras clearly picked it up. So it was, it, it was, it was visible. Um, my only thought is, is that they, they must have assumed the referee would seen it and decided not to act in it. And that's why they don't intervene. Because there's other, there's other, in, there's other instances I can think of where play has been stopped and VAR has been uh, used. However, I wonder if that is because maybe play hasn't been stopped and play has been stopped because of a foul or something further down the pitch. Because I, I, I don't know, again, it's back to the conversation we had the last pod or pod before last, which is when is VAR used and when is it not? Yeah. Because yeah. that that is, you know, take your palace, cut the sunglasses off. That that's 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 a sending off offence. If that was the other way around, yeah. we'd be screaming for it since they're sending off offence. And whilst we love Wilf, like you say, Kev, I, I don't understand why he, he does the things he does. It's passion, it's drive, it's it's you know, the the the, the love he has for his job, clearly, but You've got to learn to control that stuff because otherwise there's going to be many more occurrences of that where he doesn't get um, away with it. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't add anything as well. It doesn't, it doesn't mm. help Palace. It, it, it's only risks and getting sent off. Mm. And also it adds, adds sort of luck to a reputation to him because I think the next referee would, would know about that edge to his game and, and seeing it flare up. So then if anything, the next ref's going to be keeping an eye out for that sort of thing and might choose to make an example out of him next time. After, you know, he's not on my pitch. You, yeah. you never know. I mean, the, the refs are talking to each other all the time, aren't they? And if he's got VIR in his ear, it might have been that the ref, they've said to him, you know, oh, did you see that? And the ref's gone, yeah, just play on. I just want to let the game flow. You don't know. I mean, yeah. there, weren't, yeah. there weren't many yellow cards in the game, were there? I th- which I think yeah. Sheffield United are quite lucky to, to get away with. Um, so maybe it was just part of just helping the game flow. But... Yeah, yeah, given a, another day, another referee could have been a different result. I've also got to say as well, not really relating to the game, but I'm trying to find something interesting to say in the second half, really. Um, I have to say the Sheffield United kit is not great. Their away kit is not looking good. I don't like that. It's I've like the colours are mixed, isn't it? <laughs> like like the, uh, they've run from the, the home kit. Yeah, yeah, not looking good. But uh, but yeah, difficult times for them. Uh, you know, I I think as you say, it was it was a non-event second half in the nicest possible way, and that's mostly the best you can say about it. Players were falling like flies. I mean, obviously, I think the game changed a little bit when Benteke went off as to how we were going to play. Yeah. I understand that was an injury at dead leg. He'd picked up at the end of the first half. Um, I have to say at one point, Ayu uh, twice did a couple of tricks and left players for dead when he'd done a couple of spins. And I thought that was impressive. Um, but it was almost, it felt like a, a testimonial stroke exhibition game second half. And actually yeah. I was quite happy with that because it's meant three points are in the bag. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot. This Premier League this season is going to be so exciting. When you think, I think fourth to eleventh is this is is it two points or something? One point, something ridiculous. It's really crazy. And let's be honest, it's going to be a hell of a season this year. And um, and and the good news is, I you know, without being complacent, I think we're well placed to be starting to look up again as opposed to looking down. I know we've got two very tough games coming up. Um, but every game's a tough game, right? It's the Premier League, as Sheffield is seeing from, you know, last year. Look at them; they were nearly in Europe. Second season scenario. Look at the struggle they're having. Um, so there you go. There, there's two important points I'd like to unpick a bit there, Kev, that you, you've raised. So the first is that we are 11 points clear of the bottom three, yeah. which, which you know, at this stage, you know, it's uh, we're not we're not far off the halfway mark actually, are we now? Um, oh, yeah. Just a couple of games away, you know, it's, it's a really good place to be, despite having a bit of an indifferent run um, of late. So I think that's a really good good place. But yes, we have difficult games uh, to come, 
but you know this result has has turned things similar to Leicester result has turned a couple of very bad performances into you know looking a, looking a lot lot rosier. So to have that kind of that gap um, is is good. And then as you say, if you look upwards, we are four points off sixth. So you know the 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 the, the, the sort of where we are where we, we should and need to be. And 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 yeah, it's going to be an interesting point done. I mean, I mean, Sheffield United and West Brom are well, Fulham aren't far away from really, are they? Are so low on points that it's going to be a low points. You think low points tally to stay up? Um, yeah. needed to stay yeah. up this year. Yeah. So interesting one. Just the other point I'd, I'd just like to make is you you meant or just like to pick up on is you mentioned Benteke going off and how different we are. And yes, I you did do a couple of tricks. However, there were a number of times when the balls played up to him. I was thinking if that's Benteke, we're off. We're up the pitch. I just find I found with IU I love IU I think he he works so hard and he does such a good job for us. But he's a very different player to Benteke, obviously. But I think we are a much better side with Bentaki in the eleven because he wins the ball. We have the option to punt it up to him. And actually he releases the ball pretty quickly, whereas Ayu actually holds on to the ball and tries to do a bit, mm. bit himself. And I think I think that's a better having Benteke in the team with Zahar and Eze and Townsend and others is a better mix because he will release the ball to those players quicker and then with their off with our pace. And we don't seem to do that as well with Ayu. And a couple of frustra- slightly frustrating moments in the second half where I was like, just release the ball, release the ball, but instead yeah. He sort of dribbles it a little bit, looks for a sideways pass. You know, we, we could have been off. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but again, another another decent way to be able to switch things up as we need it, right? So the other the other sort of uh, you could call it a little bit of a storm in a teacup because of actually what happened with the starting lineup. But we will see what happens uh, for the fallout. Is the um, media speculation, if you like, for a term about uh, Lucas' antics or activities or whereabouts or whatever you want to call it on on New Year's Eve? And there were reports that he was in attendance at a party. I believe there were videos and, and photo, photos doing the rounds on social media. Strange enough by the players involved wives, which is a strange thing itself to do. But yeah, it, it was it was kind of, we again, we had a bit of a dialogue before the game as, as you do about it. And I, I said kind of, I don't think there'd be any uh, implication for the game itself. I think, uh, I can't remember who it was. One of you guys said you thought it would be. But he started and captained the team, which was interesting. Uh, I know Roy's commented since saying it hasn't seen the images or the footage but he knows of it and obviously they're really disappointed and expect an apology um, but it was interesting wasn't it to see kind of no immediate fallout from that uh, from the Palace perspective today there's almost an expectation or given the way he's behaved or, or alleged to behave you know there are pictures of him with Alexander Mitrovic so you can't do that in tier four so he has clearly broken the rules from Roy's point of view I think he said you know that he tested negative so and, and the other player tested negative so there's no issue on that but I think from a Palace fan's point of view, from where we've been in such a difficult situation all year and uh, Palace fans, have, have, you know, they, they, they can't be in the stadium because of this situation, you know, that pe- people on, on a whole are, are acting responsibly. To see your club captain, ambassador of the club, behaving in that way, I think people expected a bit of reaction. Maybe just for him to be dropped to, to, to make a point. Kev, what do you think? Yeah, Luke, I think you make a real good point there. You know, the country is in a difficult place. Um, we want our fans there. And I think it's the fact that, you know, he is club captain. Uh, I, if I must admit, when I first saw it, when I saw the image this morning, I thought, oh, maybe we're signing Mitrovic. Um, that's what I initially thought. And then I thought, oh, no. And then I read it a bit more about what it said it was allegedly about. And I just felt real disappointment. And my immediate reaction when I saw it first thing this morning was, he'll lose the Palace captaincy for that because I can imagine Roy... 
wanting to make an example. So I was surprised he started. I think I'm more disappointed than anything else because actually, you know, when we lost 7-0 to Liverpool two weeks ago today, Luca came straight on the telly afterwards and did the team uh, the interview for Sky and spoke very well, was in shock, as we all were, but I thought, no, that's what a captain does. And I, I think he let himself down. He knows he's let himself down, but he's let a lot of people down. And, and you know, I don't want to blow it up out of proportion, but a lot of people are making a lot of sacrifices at the moment, you know, and we would have all loved to have been with friends on New Year's Eve or doing yeah. stuff. So I, yeah, I, I, I would like, I don't want to see the club throw the book at him, but I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if he loses his captaincy off the back of it, because actually it's, it's quite a big thing, really. You know, it's no different. You know, it, everyone berated Dominic Cummings, rightly or wrongly, for what he did in the summer. He's our football captain. He should be setting an example because there's thousands of kids who want to be the Crystal Palace captain, if, especially if they're in South London. You know, so he's got to set the right example. Matt, your yeah. thoughts? I, I, I think you're right, Kev. And, 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 you know, in my mind is, um, would it be a bad thing? if he did lose a captaincy, because yes, you're right. Morally, it shows a sign of intent from Palace. I, I do wonder if Roy didn't have a, doesn't have a decision so much in the way it's treated. It's, I guess it's a club matter, right? His employment contract is with, um, with Crystal Palace. And I guess Roy Hodgson um, falls in line, for a better term, with what Crystal Palace Football Club decides to do. How he decides to treat the player from a playing perspective is obviously his decision. But... You know, in terms of you know, you know, I I think I, I likely think that Palace will advise Roy as how Palace would like to handle it, and he will obviously have a view on on that and respond accordingly. Um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah, I, I'm with you, Kev. I wouldn't see it out of um, rea- the norm's reality for him to be taken, the captain taken away. And I actually think, would it be a bad thing? Probably not, because I think he he has had a up and down season. But I think his captaincy, the fact he has the armband for me means it's more likely to be picked rather than not be picked, even when he has a bad run of form. And I wonder yeah. if even for him, it might be a good thing because it takes that that away and, and, and has the focus on his performance. So, uh, yeah, it might not be a nice thing to happen to him, but it would be probably the right thing for Palace to do, yeah. I think there's also yeah. been a bit of outcry around Roy's post-match um, comments around it, saying, you know, how it will be dealt with internally. And a lot of Palace fans are expecting him to be a bit stronger on him, perhaps. Uh, and maybe that's where a little bit of the disappointment comes from as well. Is that, that? But then again, I mean, what what do you gain from 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 dealing with the matter internally and also throwing the player on the bus uh, in in a, in, a, in a press conference? You know, I, I think yeah. as long as you say that you know we don't think it's right, you know, we will be dealing with it internally, and that that's what we're doing. I don't think any you, you gain any more from it by 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 absolutely slating his name in in, in a press conference, do you? No, I, do you know what though, Luke? I think the way I see it, and again. Um, Matt, I think you make a real good point on it. I, I, I don't know. You you boys were there week in, week out, obviously, normally. When Jason Punchin was our captain, it was really good. But there was a point when I think Punchin suffered from being the captain, the responsibility of, of being the captain, particularly a high-profile premiership club, you know, which we are now. As, as uh, Chris Wilder said before the game, you, you want to try and be a Crystal Palace. You want to be an established premiership team like we are. That comes with a lot of responsibility. And actually, I, I'm, I'm with you, Matt. I don't think Luca's game would necessarily suffer if that captaincy was taken away from him for a while. We, you know, Wilf was captain earlier in the season and he benefited from it. I mean, Jimmy Mack's a natural captain. Uh, I know he uses all his voice, giving advice all the way through. You've got, you got, you got 
without wishing to sound cliche, you've mostly got five or six captains in that team. So I don't think to to take take him out of the spotlight of being the captain for three, four, five games, I don't think will be the end of the world. Uh, and we're, then we're seen to be treating it the right way because ultimately these are role model footballers and they have a responsibility in the current climate more than ever to set the right example. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that, that's my view on it. I, I think you're right, Luke. There's no way he should be thrown under the bus. Absolutely. But I don't think it would be a bad thing if, you know, for a period of time, he, he just was able to focus on his football. I think, Luke, you text halfway through saying Luke has gone under the radar a bit in the second half. Uh, and I think you're right. I think he's mostly just wants to get things done and because he knows he's done wrong. He doesn't need think, to be told. Yeah. Um, but But they can't... It's like any high-profile people. They can't be seen to be getting away with it when everyone else is suffering the way we are as, as, as a nation. That's my view yeah. on it, personally. It might be something to do with the mentality of it, Kevin. You don't know. These players are tested twice a week. And if, if, if for the last God knows how many months you've been tested twice a week uh, and it's kept come back negative, you might think you're invincible. So people behaving that way. I'm not, I'm not condoning the behaviour, no. obviously, but no. I think maybe that's maybe something behind it. I, I don't know. Yeah. It was a stupid thing to do given his, posi- his position, but well, he's, uh, it's hope that, that it's moved, it's dealt with internally and it's, um, yeah, move on. But was, wasn't he someone who had it though as well? Wasn't he someone who was out for a little while so, with COVID? So, no, he had to quarantine oh. when he came back from Serbia because that was the foreign office right. rules, but I, I don't see. think he ever tested positive. Right, okay. I mean, I also think there's something for Palace in terms of Crystal Palace Football Club play him, pay him a lot of money. Um, and today there was a game they wanted to win. So they want to have the best team out there because they pay these people to come to work and do a job. So something about the immediacy of the issue. So the, the, the newspaper publishing something doesn't mean that Crystal Palace have to respond before an important game at three o'clock they have. Crystal Palace can decide to deal with it based on the footage and the evidence they've got at a later point, if, if the circumstances deem appropriate. And I think they probably were. The fact that there was, like you say, if he tested negative, he doesn't have it, then for Palace, there, there's, and if his head's in the right space as well, because some people, this being in the limelight in that respect might throw them. But for Palace perspective, I think today, and there was no fans as well. That's an important thing to remember. If there's fans in the stadium, it might be a different reaction as well. Because, uh, yeah. you know, likely people would have booed him, you know, even if it was a small uh, fan base there, you know. So, Possibly. yeah. So, 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 um, well, like you say, Kev made a very important point. People are making sacrifices. And even if there was a couple of thousand fans allowed there, those fans are still being sacrificed and other fans that they would go to the game with and others wouldn't be there. So, yeah, so I think there's something in the immediacy to reaction. But yeah, I agree. Palace, and I expect Palace to take some action, Luke. On, on the immediate reaction, I think maybe a precedent was sent, set by Tottenham because there was the pitch also came out earlier with uh, a number of Tottenham players, the Celso and a couple of others. And Tottenham came out straight away with a statement condoning the behaviour. And yet here's Crystal Palace with exactly the same thing, yet there's no statement. So I think maybe that's where, where some of the, the, the disappointment is from fans as well, is that they're seeing another club completely condoning the behaviour, yet it's Radio Silence from Palace. Don't forget that Steve Parrish is a media guru. Oh, yeah. He knows he knows what he's doing. So if there's anyone who kind of knows how to play the, that that game, I suggest here. But did someone say Lanzini was also involved in one of these so. as well? Yeah. Uh, and, and and again, I, and I don't know whether that's fact or not, but it'd be interesting because I'm sure West Ham would also have a view on it as well if if they had that scenario. Because I think I, I I don't know whether that was I did someone I thought someone had said Lanzini. So in case I that's think it's wrong, the same picture, Kev, yeah, yeah, I think it was. So I, I think we just. You know, West Ham played obviously the night they played last night, didn't they? West Ham and got a good win up at um, up at the Toffees at the back end of the game. Um, but 
yeah, it, it's it's for me, Matt. It's more the role model thing, and I don't want to bore people with it, but I think that's that there is an expectation when people are doing what they're doing in this current climate that they've got to set the right example. Yeah, absolutely, and hundred percent the right thing for Palace to 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 do just that as well in their in their response to it. So we we will see in the coming days. Uh, what does happen? Um, you've alluded to it already. Uh, I think you did earlier, Kev. Palace have a difficult one of games coming up, although, albeit, you know, um, some of them in and around the teams that you know we normally wouldn't be expected to to get something out of, but um, but you know may well do. Before that, though, uh, it's Friday night, isn't it? We've got a cup game away at Wolves, at Molyneux, uh, which will be interesting as to whether Roy decides to make some changes there in the, in the team. I mean, it's the FA Cup, you know, Palace. Is it on BT um, Sport, Matt? It's easy yes. sport extra two, Kev. Brilliant. So if we can get Glenn Hoddle commentating on it again, you know how much I love Glenn Hoddle at Molyneux with Palace on a Friday. So I can't wait for that game. <laughs> can't wait. Can't wait. I might even contact BT Sport now, see if any chance me and we can get Glenn on our pod because actually that could be good. I also think Palace, Palace deserves to uh, give you a refund for your money, Kev, because didn't you, you you bought a month of subscription for the Liverpool game? I did, mate. Yeah, yeah I did. so I mean, they, should, they should, pay, should pay you for that. So at least you're getting a second game out of that. But yeah, you're right, it is. On, <laughs> a fun, and, then, and then we quickly turn. So we need to see if Roy makes some changes for, for that. So I appreciate your thoughts on that in a minute, guys. And then mm-hmm. then then uh, next the Thursday after, so the 14th of January, away at Arsenal, which is, again, as we alluded to, a game we wouldn't normally expect to get something out of, but given their league, league position not going on their recent performances maybe so much you know we, we may well do so let's talk about the cup game first chaps do we expect Roy to ring the changes I do I, I think you'll see Jack Butland maybe make his Palace debut I think you'll see uh, sort of if, if Dan and, and Kelly are fit you'll see them play uh, Gyro's almost nailed on to, to start in the centre of um, midfield uh, I, I actually think you might see a rare appearance from Michi Batshuayi you know he's uh, going to come out and, and dust his boots off. Um, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it actually because not. I mean, look, not a lot hinges on this on this game. You know, it, it'll be a nice thing to have a cup run, wouldn't it? I think it would lift everyone's spirits. But on the, on the other hand, four more wins and we're pretty much safe. Um, yeah. So th- there's also that about it. But look, I'm looking forward to it. Friday night, it's a bit of a, a novelty to have a, a Palace game on a Friday night. I'm not too keen about the, the following on the Thursday. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm pleased for Kev that he gets to get his money worth out of BT Sport. Yeah, I must admit, boys, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, let's be honest, it's five years ago this year we went to Wembley for a cup final. I'd love to get a decent cup run, personally. I mean, I know... You're right, Luke. We're, we're, nothing's nailed on for this season, but realistically, I'm thinking four, maybe five wins, and we're pretty much safe, which I'm comfortable we'll get. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see us go at it a bit, but but isn't that good that we're talking about these potential changes, and that would still leave us with a pretty strong side? Can, can I just throw one one name out, which and, and forgive my ignorance if I've missed this. Is Max Meyer still part of our squads, part of the setup? Because I saw there was talk of him possibly moving in. But do you, do you think he might throw him in if there's a cup game, or is, is he too far in in on the naughty list? He's in all the training videos. So if you watch the the Copus Cope TV stuff, and he was named in the twenty five squad, which obviously gets renewed at the end of January as well. Emissions, um, varying emissions there being obviously Connor Wickham and, and Wayne Hennessy because of for injury. I think you might be right, Kev. We might see Mac, the ghost of Max Meyer come out um, in the new year at Molyneux. But yeah, his, his days as a Palace player surely numbered. And yeah. with his contract up in the summer, I think I think he might be one of those who's up in the summer. I think, yeah, we'll see him slip very quietly out of, uh, out of Sellers Park. 
What's your view, Matt? Do you want to go to Wembley or are you just keen to get out and focus on the league? I've just pictured a, a fantastic scenario whereby Palace have a fantastic cup run, get to the final, and by then we've all had this jab and we can all go to Wembley and have a celebration. How good that be? And Palace win the FA Cup. <laughs> there you go. I've painted it. As long as we don't take the lead uh, and then, you know, in, in that 70 or 79 seconds, let Wayne Rooney go past six players, cross it, and then uh, a deflected goal goes in for United to equalise. I don't care. I'll tell you that, eh? But yeah, I just painted that scenario. So I'm, I'm up for a cup run. There you go. I, I think Wolves is a really difficult opposition, whether they do the same as us or, or not, right? So, um, yeah, it's going to be a tricky one, whichever whichever way you play it. But you know, I'm so I'm up for, I'm up for a cup run. But however, always on the uh, uh, cool side of caution in terms of guaranteeing safety would be my my focus. But I think with a second string, we can still we can still progress. I don't see why yeah. not. And so, I think um, you might find Matthew that a lot of teams do treat this cup with, with, with their second string and maybe under 23s you know the, the bigger clubs might play a lot more kids so you know it might be a good opportunity for, for someone like yeah. Palace to, to have a run now you it'd never be, know yeah, it'd be nice it'd be nice and and as you say great that it's on the telly so that's something for us to watch on a Friday night happy days happy days <laughs> brilliant and then and then we, we then uh, have a Thursday night game at the Emirates which is Right, is it one we're looking forward to because Arsenal aren't doing too great this season or is it one we're not looking forward to because they are starting to to put things together in the last uh, week or so? Uh, Well, at at the Emirates, I've not got too many fond memories uh, uh, there. I think, Matthew, we went there the second season... We were up, weren't we, in 2014, maybe August 2014. We went to the game when Pulis, I went to win there twice, when Pulis, when Pulis walked out. But then we got to the season before that. I think we were the first season we were up. I remember it being bloody cold. Yeah, we sat behind the goal. I remember that. And then the second time we went was You're nice right. and sunny. That was when yeah. the, the day after Pulis had walked out and Punch yeah. got sent off. In, in injury time, didn't he? And then they scored to make it 2-1, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, because Hangland had scored just before half-time. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I went there and I... Got my friend's season ticket um, and sat in the uh, the home end and saw us concede the four goals in something stupid like 12, 15 minutes or whatever it was when we lost 4 1 there. We did win there a few seasons ago, though, boys, on a Sunday, 3 yeah. 2, where we played really well. So, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, Matt, in answer to your question, I think, it, you know, Arsenal are starting to find a bit of form, which is good for them. And I'm pleased for the, uh, the manager because I think he's a good manager. I think he played. Uh, he played the kids, didn't he, the other week, almost out of force to do so. And, and they, they they come up trumps for him against Chelsea and, and the other day. Um, so I think it'd be a good game. You know, I, I think Arsenal are playing at the moment, actually, aren't they? I think they're playing West Brom at the moment. So I don't know how they're getting on. They're winning 2-0, are they? Right. Yeah. So, that, you know, they're, they're, they're finding a bit of form. So you might find that if they're... Well, no, it's a league game, isn't it? So no, I, mm. I, I think it'd be an interesting game. Let, let's see. You know, you take a point, wouldn't you? You bite your arm off for a point. But again, the Arsenal and the Man City game, I would say you'd mostly class as free hits, wouldn't you? Because yeah. as you said a little while ago, Matt, we're... 11 points above the bottom three is quite a big gap already. And if West Brom are 2-0 down tonight, they're not going to get nothing. So, um, or they're unlikely to get anything, I would have thought. Um, so, who knows? A couple of free hits and you never know. You never know. I'm not not looking forward to it, put it that way. But it's quite, it's, we've then got a Thursday and then we play on the Sunday, don't we, against Man City. I think, so. and I think that'd be that'd be tough. Um, it, I don't know who we've then got after that, but it'd be interesting to see what our run of games is after that. I think without being negative, Roy's probably not written them off, but said if I can come out of a point or two points, that'd be great. And then you look to build those 
on those next three or four games after that for me. So, so Kev, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because the run of games after that is mixed. So we go straight into to the Man City game. After that, we go into a Wednesday game on the 27th. So that'd be the week. It's a 10-day break then. So it must be an international break, is there then? Uh, Interesting. Anyway, the 27th, we've got West uh, West Ham at home on uh, Wednesday night. And then uh, on the Saturday, so just three days later, playing Wolves again at home. So a couple of mixed games there. But then we go into February. And February is actually a pretty... Well, on paper, a pretty positive month for Palace. We've got Newcastle, Leeds, Burnley, Brighton and Fulham. So okay, by, yeah. by end of February, if we aren't safe, you're worried a bit because then we play Tottenham, Man United, West Brom in there and a few others. So, you know, there, there's enough winnable games in that in that yeah, absolutely. Sort of next next sort of six to eight weeks that we should yeah. be should be OK, he says. Yeah. Remind no, me I, how many I, points I, we got of Burnley and Newcastle. <laughs> but the thing is it it goes back to what we've said guys I know we've said it on numerous occasions on the pod anyone can beat anyone in this league as proved this season and you know unless you're you know a Liverpool and let's be honest Man United are playing really well now you know they're on the same points as Liverpool but we I know it's their first game of the season but we embarrassed Man United up at their place I'm sure they will come down and do a number on us but but ultimately every team is capable look at how Burnley have picked up since they beat us I mean, Burnley, Sean Dyche and that, they're playing. As uh, the commentator said earlier, this is an unforgiving league. The Premiership takes no prisoners. And, and again, who would have said Sheffield after what they finished? Seventh or eighth last season, having played brilliantly. They can't buy a point, can they? So you just don't know. Uh, so I look at all of those games, Matt, those next nine games, which you've just reeled off, or seven or eight, nine games. And I look at every one of them and you're, I think every one of them is winnable, you know? Um, so who knows? We, we could be sort of sitting second by the end of them. <laughs> it's okay, so if we painted it all tonight, so Palace are second by the end of February and we're going to win the FA Cup. <laughs> we're, and we're, we're going to be there. And we're going to be there. Yeah. And we're going to have a European tour down at the Isle of Sheppey again. So uh, happy days. Right. So happy we've got days. to finish the pod. We've got to finish the pod there then, because uh, it doesn't get more positive than that. Look, Palace won 2 0 today. Uh, good, solid victory in what could have been a tricky game. Thank you, chats, for joining me. Uh, thank you to all the listeners. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Um, we hope you're still enjoying the pod. Thanks for all the, the nice messages and everyone getting in touch. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Six Pointer Podcast. Uh, happy New Year again to everyone. Kev, Luke, uh, thanks for joining me again. Good to see you. European Tour next year. Here we come. As always, up the palace. Up Up the the palace. palace. The Six Pointer Podcast. (laughs) 